0: About, trying to figure out what it's all about, existentialist, am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know, I
1: don't know. That was great sounds of Watson with Outside on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself Preston with my partner in crime, Long Island Raised, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building, Easy Blues, you're better with introductions more than me, who
0: do we have with us today on Behind the Brand? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that you can work, work, work trying beer for the first time only to understand that it is supreme to have million dollar pies. But with a bicycle anthem, we can sing the lunch table blues as long as we don't go overtime with the beast. But getting kicked out of church to find the secret door to the mall, you understand that vacation is something. And I've got this. For that and that alone, I want you to put your hands together for the phenomenal MC with us today. Spoken nerd. Welcome, Ben and thank you for being here.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. You're of welcome. Um, what's what's super super interesting is you know, your content and the way about you go about the, the marketing aspect of your music what got you into hip-hop because you know i'm looking at the pinball machine and thing looks like we're we took a time warp back to 1972 and i'm <laughs> loving every second of it but you know what brought 1972 into the the boom the bap and the everything that is hip-hop
2: absolutely so i'm a child of the 80s you know i i i was born in 1980 actually so where I went to high school and I guess this was the nineties by the time I was in high school, you know, you listen to three, you know, one of three types of music. And that was, you know, I grew up in a small town, rural Tennessee. So you either listen to rap, you listen to country or you listen to metal. And actually I started off listening to metal. Um, Mm -hmm. My family sort of disapproved of rap and at the time, you know, and and that was kind of where where I fit in. And as I got a little bit later in my high school years, I discovered groups like Rage Against the Machine, Body Count, and I really found that I identified with with some of those groups. And when I we played our our school talent show and I had this kind of by this time, I was getting a little more experimental in my mindset and we were, we were kind of an experimental rock band, but at the talent show, a rap group played. And when I was watching them and I, I just saw the empowerment of every individual in that group, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I started, you know, getting into groups like Wu Tang and another group, specifically granola funk express out of Asheville, North Carolina. and. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to start doing hip hop. So we started a band and and I was a bass player at this point, but I also did a little backup vocals and, you know, kind of uh, after all the rappers quit, I, I just became the rapper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's what's so super, super interesting, because if you actually look back through the history of, of hip hop in particular and all the 50 years you know, late 80s, early 90s, even throughout the 2000s, there was such this incredible bridge between, like, punk rock and hip hop. And now we're starting to see even the seeds of that in, like, the co-defendants with Chesky um, and so forth and so on, all of this amazing cross-pollinization Um and it's amazing that it became organic, and that's what I really love about your story is that it is a complete and total organic aspect of it. You know, you're you you were going about this dream no matter what. It just happened to be this is what your how the dream has uh, progressed. What was it like taking that that step from base to you know MC master of ceremonies? If we're being honest,
2: you know, honestly it it felt really good to, to do that, you know? And one thing like, so just to give you an idea of where I was coming from, you know, it started out as a full band. I played Mm -hmm. bass and rapped in it. And, but I was more of like the backup guy in the beginning and our main rapper quit and so my other friend was was kind he he could rap but he wasn't as good so i had to take on some of the rapping responsibilities of the group at that point and you know we we eventually like lost every member of the band but me and the rapper and his brother who was a dj and so we, you know, at this time, I still, I I was like, you know, 18, 19 years old. I still didn't understand like how these hip-hop records were made I because I would listen and I would say that's a stand-up bass there how are they getting a stand-up bass in this song and and a xylophone I didn't understand sampling or what that was and so we started I started talking to my friends about it and we we started to realize it had something to do with records and I remember we we started buying like singles, and we would actually. So so when I made the transition initially, I you know we would rap, we would just write songs over those instrumentals, or, and most Ooh. of it was freestyle at this point. So we became a house party, you know, every night because uh, we were young. This was this was when I was first attending college at this point and we we had a we had a small house party at our house every night and occasionally we would find some uh, some parent some sucker that uh that was actually willing to let us throw uh, a big party And then, you know, every time it would just get out of hand, uh, everyone was mad at us, specifically me, because I would literally, I wanted everyone to hear what we were doing. So I was making flyers. I would draw. All maps on how to get to these places and my parents or my friend's parents would just say hey man you're gonna get the police out here like a guy <laughs> from, from my job showed me a, a map to my house at a flyer he had gotten what are you doing and i just didn't care because at that point i was like we've got this music and we've got to get it out there to the people <laughs>
0: <laughs> no but and but also it shows the amazingness of that boots to ground marketing that is so real. You went out there. You know, one of the reasons why you're on the show is because you're out there right now. You know, we were talking about it off air, but to be real serious, how things really work in in the world, you released this incredible album that happened to have Chesky uh, on it. You know, Chesky had shared that uh, you had the, the single and the album out. I picked up the record, listened to it, and I was like, oh, this is really dope. Let me share it. You followed me on Instagram, we're now here on the show, all organic, had nothing to do with, you know, the evil industry people pulling strings in the background, there was no man behind the curtain, it was just two dudes who, you know, understood it and had respect for how things go, Um, and that's really, you know, you were doing the amazing work of a promoter that would kill to have, you know, their parents, uh, you know, best friend. And father's brother bringing a flyer of a show that he was trying to trying to throw. So what you were doing was because it was real, was effective. Um, and I love that for you. And I love how that blossomed through. But of course, now, and I'm sure this is the question you get a billion and a half times because your name is so dope. How did you get this moniker? I, we know how important uh, monikers can be, especially in the hip hop community. How did you get what I think is one of the dopest monikers and in spoken nerd?
2: Thank you. I, I sometimes wonder if uh, if the name was like a great idea or a big mistake, you know, because a lot of people expect it to be very different than what it is, I guess, by, by hearing the name. But uh, to answer your question, so I, I had a name I went by, which was Green Tea and I I guess like around the time I quit smoking pot, I I got to thinking this name sounds a little too hippie and I got to come up with a different name. And I started, I I had this other idea. I was going to be optimist. And then I got to thinking about it. Like, what if my stuff's not optimistic? So I was battling around with all those names and I remember, like, I I had started to hear the term nerd rap, like, Mm -hmm. spread around, which what nerd rap was in 2001 is totally different than what nerd rap is now. Like, so you would hear people refer to, like, Soul and Slug and, like, you know, everyone from anton you know even like like freestyle fellowship like you would Mm -hmm. hear those rappers referred to as nerd rappers and Mm -hmm. that was kind of the genre that i identified with and you know i was also acute to spoken spoken word as part of my art form and one day i i was trying to think up actually of a name for the album i was working on and i thought maybe i'll call the album spoken nerd and then i I just was like, if something about it stuck with me. I couldn't stop thinking of that concept. And so it just became my name and, and I went with it from there.
0: Well, no, and, and it's so, first of all, I think it's massively fitting. And, and also like, I'm, I, you know, I'm a visual person, uh, right from jump. So in hearing the name, I almost see like Dilbert with a do-rag. You know right. what I mean, just, you know just the the perfect way to go about that. and it's such it's such a marketing that's really not out there. And you know to cover some of like the pop stuff that people would consider at the time, especially at two thousand and one time as uh, nerd rap would be like gym class heroes, you know, uh, where it just has that little bit of a different element um on there. So this was something that the industry was thriving. I mean, trying to find a balance is one of my favorite hip hop tracks of that that era. Um, And, you know, the only big hit that Slug and or Atmosphere um, really kind of had that made noticeable on more than just the underground market. Nothing wrong with being known widely on the underground market because sometimes your material is better. Um, But, you know, it's really nice when uh, every every once in a while they're like, hey, we see you and we kind of sort of appreciate you only because you've made us money. Um, how do you get through that? Because this industry is gross. How do you maintain your positivity? Because although you're not the optimist, which, by the way, is the worst Spider-Man villain name I've ever heard, the optimist, <laughs> um, you know, um, how do you maintain this, this positivity in an industry that beats you down? And that's, that's how I transition into, you know, more of the uplifting stuff in which you do put out there.
2: Right. So, something that I realized pretty early in my career, um, knowing quite a few rappers who I saw that were doing it full-time and making a living off of their music, I, I, I saw them making moves that that I wasn't comfortable making. So, like, if we played a show where no one showed up, then these guys were still asking the venue where's the money we that we need to get to the next show and uh mm-hmm. we're having these really serious talks and they're in just as, as things were getting into money I, I realized that wasn't necessarily something i wanted to do now when i say that i don't think there was anything wrong with what these artists are doing um mm-hmm. because they're just trying to get by they're trying to get paid like anyone else does um but something something i realized was that I wanted to make art separate of being a business. You know, this is something I say all the time. Like for me, hip hop is about the art itself. And and although I sell records, I, I play shows and I do, I do have expectations for payment of those shows. I don't do this like strictly as a business. This is my art. This is what I'm doing because I love doing it. And I have a message or, or, simply just want to express myself and get that out there and so that's and and, you know you listen to so many um rap albums or rappers and their whole promotion everything about their albums are based it's based around how many dollars they're gonna make or how many dollars they have or what accolades they have and you know that just doesn't excite me uh you know (laughs) i want to make music you know
0: (laughs) Well, and and that's actually one of the reasons why we have this show is to tell that story of, you know, you don't have to have that big, you know, uh, MTV Cribs house to have made it in this type of industry, as long as you are content creating the art um, that that you create that is by far one of the most uh, beautiful forms of success. So we really love to tell that independent story, because when you get to make art for art purposes and really for art reasons, there are a lot less rules Um, But you even take that step and spin that into a real positive as per talking about your story. And, you know, like, for example, um, you know, getting kicked out of church uh, has this incredible message to it uh, that, one, you don't really see that often. um, And you definitely don't see that often. Getting the respect it needs from underground music, I know that there's a small market for it. But you really take it into a different market, and I want us to know how that happened.
2: Yeah, so um, so you mean specifically how I've how I've reached a little bit beyond just yeah. the underground market? I yeah. I, th- I think a lot of it has been you know just consistency alone. Um, in in my city, you know, I live in Nashville, and I see a lot of rappers come and go, and I've I've known people that like at the beginning of my career. I put out albums. I I just made albums. And every album I've ever made, I felt like when I was making it, like this is going to be the one. I still have this feeling. I still feel like that about the record I just put out out fortunately but even like what i'm working on now i'm like oh this is even going to be steps above everything i've ever done everything else i've ever done can just go away you know like it's time to move you know they call it like the man of the future and i've always had an element of that as i've gotten older i've i've realized it a little a little bit more but like there were cats in my city when i started that were making rap music that was better than i was and i would say hey man when's your when's your record coming out and they were constantly waiting on a deal from a record label or they were waiting on you know something i mean i knew a guy that you know he, he went and a four-year degree on the music industry and this is like and this is you know 10 15 years later and the album still hasn't come out you know yeah. and so for me it was it was just always like a matter of doing these things getting them going and and just like getting people to hear it you know i had i had the opportunity pretty early on of, of touring with an artist named listener um and they were they were kind of a bigger artist. And so getting to tour with them, I saw how touring worked and I understand I, I got to understand how you can how you can tour as an artist that's not as big. So I've played all over the states and about any any venue you can imagine. I mean, I've played everything from like churches to backyards to bars to to um you know parties like you know coffee shops like uh video game stores like i played at a pawn shop once on record store day because the record right. store canceled the show you know i mean i've if if it exists i've probably played there
0: i love that you worked that you you did a show at a pawn uh, a pawn shop as kind of like a pawn show, it was a show that was pawned off on the pawn shop. So it, I, I think that that's that's a that's a TV sitcom or something. Uh, that is absolutely glorious. Uh, what was what was that like? I mean, you know, because a lot of people don't understand what it's like to put on a show or to take these steps and go out on to, to actually tour. What is it like to live in in the flux where a show could be canceled, but you need that show? to make sure that you've made ends meet. So you can eat tonight. Right. Um, You know, uh, what, what is that experience like? Yeah. So
2: honestly, one thing that I have done is I've, I set myself up to where there's always a way for me to get by even if a show does cancel um at this point in my career mm-hmm. i i've so the whole time i've done this career i've actually worked for whole foods market oh, i work. still i still work for them i I'm, you you know, i've been with the company for almost 20 years as i've done a rap career um you know just at the same time i mean i i've just always looked for situations within the company where i had a lenient boss who who would let me go out and and do these things however even that being said you know uh working at a grocery store despite what you think uh doesn't necessarily it's not a three figure job or anything you know so so whenever i whenever i have gone out and and things whenever a show does cancel it is detrimental uh to an artist and and even to myself you know to to make in to make the ends meet but i I, like that show specifically we had a show at like a cool record shop in chicago it was going to be like super dope in my head anyway and Mm -hmm. and last minute you know the thing was canceled and i didn't have a show but i had a group of friends in lincoln illinois and the cousin uh who i'm also friends with has it it was i guess i shouldn't call it a pawn shop but it was he he would tell you it's a buy sell trade it's called johnny's buy sell trade and they said man We're going to throw you a show right here in Lincoln, Illinois, and I remember just like, you know, it was like every person in that town came to this show because it was special because I was playing in in, in a small town and they all knew who I was, you know, they knew me. But it was it was just such a magical time. I remember my friend Luke, um, he dressed up as a rapper, but his whole his whole joke was he was going to be a big fan of the sports team, uh, the Sacramento Kings. I'm not a sports guy, so they're a yeah. basketball team, I guess, that not a lot a lot of people are that enthusiasm right. and and he was just decked out to the T's and in uh Sacramento Kings gear and him and his cousins like basically just you know had written all these like funny rap songs and then they even did um a medley of a bunch of my songs as like a cover oh, which nice. was, which was you know it was hilarious i mean and they and they did it all to be funny but it, you know sometimes i've found on the road like you know you have to accept kind of like whatever's going to come to you 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 might have a show that you think is going to go one way and it totally goes the other way you know what I mean and that can be mm-hmm. for good or for bad but you got to accept both and like I saw an interview with the uh with the indie pop singer Alex G recently and he said something that just cracked me up. It was a, he said, I hope tonight's show's real bad because it's so funny when no one shows up to our shows. And I thought this, this kid's got it. What a great mentality Mm -hmm. to have because that is part of what makes you a great artist. I think is, is, you know, part of it is to play and be able to like turn a situation around, take what would be a bummer night and make it awesome for some people, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: I agree no, on WNH H L P 103.5, FM New Haven, myself, Preston and my partner in crime in Long Island Rays, Elm City, made EZ Blues. Continue easy.
0: You no, know, that's that's one of the, the top things. We talk about it on the show all the time. Me personally, and again, I say this, you know, me personally, I feel that you know, you don't necessarily have earned the shot to play those huge stages if you haven't played for the bands and their girlfriends, especially if half the bands or half the rappers don't have girlfriends, Um, you know, (laughs) there's, there's just so, so beautiful because it doesn't matter. And when you can play those shows for it doesn't matter and you can still treat it like you're playing Madison Square Garden and you're having as much fun as humanly possible, that bartender could be somebody tomorrow, you know, and they'd be like, hey, you know, hey, my buddy is doing a movie um would love to have a song of yours in the movie soundtrack or so and so and so forth or again going through social media and seeing that a friend recommends this to recommend that and now we're here it's really important that network um you come from Nashville which i mean that's like one of the network capitals of the world especially when it comes down to music and songwriting um how important has networking been to your career And have you ever had any issues, you know, because like some of us play an extrovert on TV, but uh, we're really very introverted and and, and would like to be left alone. How do you navigate that?
2: Well, I, I am actually an extremely extroverted person. Um, that's kind of my personality and so I'm fortunate with that I guess the challenges I run into have more to do with time uh, because it's a matter of what you put time into and one thing you run across in Nashville because it's a business music business city and there's a lot of touring artists and then you know you like my thing has always been my brand is like play a lot of shows um love playing shows i I absolutely love performing but one thing is in your own city you know you're always expected to have draw and the thing is is like for for a lot of people that are constantly working in the music business, it's kind of like okay, I'm back home. What I'll do for fun on my weekend or my day off is I'll go see a movie or something, you know. And it's it's like okay, I've I've seen independent shows from all sorts of different artists that I've played with uh for you know four weeks out of the year you know every night seeing seeing you know performances shows you know so it, it becomes it becomes a little different with that but that being said i I've I've met amazing people here and I definitely am, am glad that I have the community I have in Nashville, but I've, you know, I've honestly also had some amazing community where you're at New Haven, Connecticut It's specifically on my last tour. I, I had, you know, some, some pretty serious things going on during it, you know, some, some family things that, that were, were a bit difficult while I was on the road. And it, it was like, it was, it was funny because as soon as I got into the Northeast, I, I, I stayed with my buddy, Derek Zanetti from almost gospel choir and he's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And we, we just had some really good talks, some really good time. And it really just turned around my frame of mind. And the next day I drove into new Haven to hang with my boy, Mo Nichols and, I mean, it was like, have you ever seen the John Wick movies?
0: Yes, yes, yes. I have.
2: It, it was like for like, you know, the fake four base in Connecticut was it, it really felt like it was my continental. I mean, mm-hmm. it really, it really did. I I I like Mo is such a good host, such a good friend, and you know i i spent some i spent a lot of time just hanging out with him i i ended up making reconnecting with uh pepe up there and also i went into uh went up to maine and and linked up with miles bullen and and made made you know i'd never met him in person or them in person before Mm -hmm. but i got to this time around and then i also i also met uh another new haven person that i ended up just really enjoying being around and spending time with and that was a uh, folk punk dad we got to, oh, yeah we got to spend a couple days together too so it, it was just like such an awesome time to just to meet fellow artists that are out there doing similar things to what i'm doing and and just just the humanity of of everyone um out there you know was was just very beautiful my friend I I played a show in Vermont and my friend Jane who played drums for me back in Nashville but she she lives in uh somewhere in New York close to Vermont now and she drove out and just brought her drum drum set and played drums for me at my show which which was cool (laughs) new tracks and all I sent them to her like you know a week beforehand and and it was just like it, it was you know, it was kind of a deeper friendship, and it was like it was like you know, we never left. we we the band was back together, so it was super cool.
0: no that that is one of the most incredible things and and something that um for people to really understand, you come out here to, to New Haven and you run into these incredible human beings um that really do, you know, I've seen some darkness out here and and the, some of those dark times can really get can really get to you. Um, but I still say, you know, when, when, you know, after my brother had passed, one of the first people to message me to make sure that I was okay was Chesky. Um, and that is something that forever I will remember him for, uh, um, will ever be gr- uh, grateful for. And for that, anybody he endorses, I will do whatever I can to, to shine a, a giant spotlight on them um but then there's also people who are massively talented when that happens and i'm like oh my goodness i have now made a new friend the most important for for the people who are just listening i feel so bad for you right now because you were you were missing out on this glorious beard um that that spoken nerd has and i'm i have some beard envy i'm not gonna lie how do you do oil like is there a specific treatment to it or is this all natural natural, I'm just going to make me cry. And it's okay. I haven't cried in a couple of days. So a good cry might work for me right now. Just saying. So
2: uh, a couple things on that. The the biggest thing is I have a good barber. Um, My barber takes care of my hair, he takes care of my beard. And I, you know, I used to never even really trim it. But now, you know, I've got a good barber, he takes care of me. I, you know, honestly, I swim a lot. And that is actually horrible for a beard because I swim in chlorine water, you know? Uh, So I actually have to use a, a a chlorine removal shampoo in my beard and in my hair and then the key the thing i found the most recently that has been a game changer is actually the spray on conditioner uh, that you leave in if you just a couple sprays of that and you're just you're in a good place with it being soft and and you know the shape staying right and all that nice
0: nice it's super important and, and you know it's one of those things you can feel confident you can you can move in that type of direction especially going out on the road or even delivering you know a bar uh, you have to speak with some sort of authority some sort of, of confidence and that works into every single aspect um as per your right as per your writing and and of course the tough tough questions i want to know what your favorite child is off of this 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 latest record what is the song that haunts you
2: you know, it's it's hard to really say, um, you know, because I like I, I like all my songs in a certain way. But, uh, you know, really, I really love trying beer. For the first time and i love supreme as far as mm-hmm. as far as like two that i that i'm just I, and and the reason i love those songs in the way that i do is i feel like even though they're kind of true to my previous catalog in some ways i feel like i've i've coming to some new ground with it you know supreme specifically for being able to tell a story uh Mm. that that was that was a little easier to follow you know i didn't get abstract in the middle of it and i i i went to tell a cohesive story which which is it's difficult to do that without being totally corny in hip-hop i found and um and trying and beer for the first time, uh, I don't know. You know, it, it was I've I've had I had a few different ideas for the vision, but when I when I went to record the the demo, the hook ended up coming out totally different than I expected in kind of a magical way, and mm-hmm. I, I I'm happy with the the sound and the aesthetic of it, you know, mostly. But those would be my my two babies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I absolutely love that, especially the fact that you know, you understood that you walked into the studio thinking that the song was going to go in a certain direction. Um, and the song itself, like I look at all songs as bonsai trees. You know, the 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 final form isn't quite there. You're always trimming back a little bit, trimming back a little bit until you have this beautiful piece of art in front of you. Um, you know, or you're sitting on the porch and you're wooden, whittling that piece of wood until you have the perfect, uh, you know, kind of figurehead with you. And I just think it is so absolutely incredible. And to know that process, you know, as you're continuing to grow, are you looking to push yourself even further? Are we going to now see you get even weirder, maybe bring back the band aspect of it? Or are you going to be like, I don't know, 20th century digital boy type of uh, feel coming up next? Or, you know, is 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 there some, some s- suspenseful drama that we can inflict upon the people?
2: Well, I would say, you know, I'm working on stuff all the time and, you know, I can't say I'm a hundred percent sure of what the vision looks like, but I, I have recorded a couple things that are, that are kind of uh, a little more ready to go. And, and yeah, I, I always love having the band. It, it's not, you know, it's not always practical and, mm-hmm. and there are times when they're not around and, um, to to use you know so that's kind of like during covid you know the band was basically impossible to pull off um so i have another project called state parks that's a a rock and roll band i don't know if you've Mm -hmm. checked out any of that music before but i can send you a link um always uh, yeah so i i've i've thrown around the idea of bringing that band back but you know kind of part of my thoughts were to bring more electronics into it but mm-hmm. you know so yeah i i'd say uh wait and see um this, so far some of the songs i've written have had a little bit more of a serious tone than some of the other stuff but mm-hmm. i think it's i think i think it's gonna be fun
0: well, and that's and that's one of the key things is no matter what, you know, having as much fun as humanly possible is what is important when you are creating, you know, and that doesn't mean you're not coming from a dark place. That doesn't mean bad things haven't happened to you. It means, you know, you're doing this for a little bit of joy. And you know, it's one of the the, the key aspects of there. Um, as you are going out and you are touring you know are you going to be looking in, say they another two weeks or so um in the coming months are we looking at like february january um is uh when is the next time you're going to be uh, more in the northeast
2: northeast will will be late spring um mm-hmm. as much as i would i i really can't wait to get there to be honest with you but um i kind of feel like the winter may not be the best time to t- tour that way
0: yeah don't do that to yourself
2: and you know so yeah i i would say that you, the northeast is always like my it's one of my favorite places in the in the country to tour um i'll probably do something in the south like earlier mm-hmm. in the in the new year and then and then yeah i i plan to to hit it pretty hard up that way uh pretty you know probably late spring
0: Okay, well, I mean, let us know. You know, we we were always fun uh, uh, trying to figure out different venues and and all that kind of stuff. We have some some small minor mini mini connections in into some different spots. Plus, I mean, if you like to play weird places, I'm really trying to like put together a show because I think it'll be interesting. It's kind of like acoustic and hip hop show at a tattoo parlor. I just think it makes the most amount of sense. You know, while people are getting tattooed, you know, the the culture is just happening, and I think I think you you'd be kind of dope there if if that makes any sense to you
2: absolutely yeah i'm i'm definitely always ideas
0: (laughs) that that, that's awesome um now you finished up this record you said you're constantly working on something you know uh, uh, what is the next so what is that next evolution are we doing more visuals from this record are we going to look at some some more music video type of aspects of it or are you done with this aspect and Beyond the marketing and getting back out on the road next year for it, are you already getting into that next project? And if so, let's talk about it.
2: Yeah, I'd say there's a little bit of both happening. So there's, you know, I have one other video that it's finished or well, uh, close to finished for this project that's going to, I'm not sure when it's going to come out just yet, but kind of my idea is to just, you know, continue plugging this. Um, There'll be some there'll be a couple remixes and things dropping from this record and, uh, and promoting this properly really is my focus as prolific as I am. And as much music as I'm writing currently and that, that I've, I've always got something on the, on the back burner. Uh, I did spend a good amount of time on this record. I, it, I, I think it was almost three years working on it. Ooh. And it kind of a long story, but I, I was actually, I had started cutting demos with a producer who um, disappeared off the face of the earth. And I've been in touch with him since, but, but uh, we, we had started cutting demos and, and, you know, it was just like he was gone. Right. And so I, I had like, you know, maybe seven or eight of the tracks and, I wasn't sure what to do. And I I reached out to my homie Kid Dead and he had mentioned he was working with this producer, Nathan Zenson, and and I I recognized the name and I I just ended up, you know, meeting up with him. I had him do a mix for me on one of my songs because I was I was kind of like at this point I was pretty devastated, to be honest with you, um, because I had all this music that I, I had to get out there as we talk about. And I, I wasn't sure. I was like, am I going to try to get a friend to mix this? And, and he said, he said, you've got to work with my guy. So I had him mix a track for me and and I really liked the mix that he did. And then I thought I met with him. I remember this was during COVID. So I was wearing like three masks and a face helmet and on, on my bicycle. And I, I met him outside. And it was in a colder month. I remember it was just like mm-hmm. freezing outside. And we're sitting outside of this coffee shop drinking coffee. <laughs> it was pretty r- r- ridiculous on my part that I made him go through all that. But um, uh, but I yeah, we 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 did all that. And I think I I even rode my bicycle. Bicycle there, you know, and it was, it was a few miles from my house, but, um, anyhow, we talked and he just, he just said, Hey man, let, let's, let's do something. Tell me like, what can you do? Like, let's, let's make it happen. Happened. I gave him a shot and we actually tracked trying beer for the first time really loved what we were doing. And so I kept working with him and halfway through the project or not even halfway a few months in um, my friend that had introduced him who's kid dead passed away and so we had you know his final recordings um you know that that nate had been working on and so we kind of changed focus for a few months to to finish that record um you know as far as the business in the mixing in making sure that that the producer was still getting paid basically and that the record Mm -hmm. was coming out and that you know there were a couple places where we had to find verses and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but but we did it we got the album out it's it it was called ironically the name of one of the tracks was called um the man who lived forever so that was the name of the record Mm -hmm. and You know, we uh, we got that out there to the world and then shifted back focus to finish this record. So uh, so anyhow, that being said, yeah, I'm going to be pushing this pretty hard and that's going to be my focus of a good portion of next year. However, there will be some things sprinkled throughout that and possibly even another full length project by the end of the year. I'm I'm working on a Ooh. I'm working on a record with Juan Cosby, if you've heard of him. He's a electronic uh what what does he call his genre synth wave? He's a synthwave hip hop mm-hmm. producer from Cincinnati, Ohio. He's great. Uh so so we've got a record we're gonna we're gonna finish. Nate and I are still working on stuff you know i do these singles where they're inspired by films and mm-hmm. i plan on by the end of the year and this is a big surprise but i'm just going to tell your listeners i'm going to do one uh for the end of the year that's inspired by the film "Bo is afraid so
0: wow
2: Pretty, pretty pumped about that. That was my favorite movie of this year. I can't imagine that there's anything else that's going to come out that I'm going to like better uh, <laughs> now and then. So I, I'd say it's my movie of the year, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a song inspired by it for uh, movie fans and stuff. That's awesome. It's awesome to
1: hear on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Preston, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, E Z. Blues is in the building. Spoken Nerd is with us on behind the bram. Is Richard Nixon still an inspiration to you?
2: <laughs> it took me a second to get that one. Um, I would say uh, it, like kind of a negative inspiration at some point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do a little curve part there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love curveballs on, on on the show it's it's uh it's fantastic but no um so you know as you're continuing to go out there and you're continuing to to build up the the repertoire and look at like the different uh you know places you can play or or that aspect Where's the stop off for you? Because, you know, now you're working with a, uh, a synth wave, a hip hop producer, you know, you know, what's next? Like, are, are we going like super hardcore grindcore kind of nastiness? You know, <laughs> are, are, are we, you know, are we going to go throwback 1972, you know, super jazzy funk type of way? Like what, what is the limit? And is it the sky for, for spoken word?
2: yeah a lot of times you know things just kind of happen with it i so i write i write the lyrics and mm. i go with stuff that comes to me i've i've always wanted to do like you know some jazzier stuff like but a part of it is who i am so my flow is very aggressive right and so That's something true. something that i run into a lot is you know i have a thing where i i don't like it when rappers rap about nothing right Mm -hmm. and so i'm always looking for who do i collab with as as you know smoking nerd who who's like a feature for me and like obviously like chesky amazing right my my buddy maurice uh 247 Mm -hmm. did like a killer verse on mm. on the beast like you know um my my guy adder is amazing but you know i always i always look at stuff and usually artists with my sort of the sort of content that i rap about are kind of on these sort of jazzier beats and their flows a little more like you know coming back rap so dope. you know what i mean and mm. and like that's not how i rap it's not what a, it's not it's not not necessarily right. what i do which makes jazz almost a little a little hard to to fool mm-hmm. with so i would say you know the the song the the single that i've got that i feel the best about um uh, mm-hmm. that i've written uh for the the next album that nate zenson and i do has a trappy feel about it it's a it's a little trappy um I, I love the trap mix. I still love the sample element and I still mm-hmm. love like, you know, some organic uh, sounds in there. But I I love that big bass mix. So right. I would say that, that it's going to be a little bit of an organic progression of some of, of what you just heard on Magical Powers, but mm-hmm. probably Probably taking it, you know, a, I, I want to take it a little more experimental. Um, so the second, the second chapter, I, I've always said, and this is this is crazy talk, but I've always said that that you know, great albums come in trilogies, right? Like. Yep. Some say that bands, you know, an artist, great artists only have three good albums in them. Now, I don't believe that, but I do believe that there is something in the laws of threes. I think you do three albums that sound a certain way and have a certain cohesiveness and then you move on right. uh, and do something different. You know, I I'm a firm believer in that. Like, so I, one great example is Weezer, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So,
2: so you've got the blue album right and consistently you have pinkerton
0: Mm -hmm. now
2: this is i'm gonna throw you a curveball the third of that trilogy is actually not a weezer album but matt sharp left weezer and started the rentals and i would say return of the rentals was actually the third album in that trilogy i believe that he was what made not that not to discredit rivers no rivers is an amazing songwriter has an amazing voice he's a great musician but matt sharp is also a great musician with great songwriting and an okay voice uh, but <laughs> we, uh, but man uh return of the rentals with with the hayden triplet or the hayden sisters singing backgrounds and that and that violin was the perfect progression of that trilogy and that's where that was meant to go and like and so that's kind of how I I view it. I look at it as there's some natural progression. I am one who makes very bold decisions in production of albums and how, how and how things go because I, I think part of it it is i'm a fan of movies and you know you in storytelling in general and i like it when when things take really unexpected turns that's why i like stephen king you know and right. that's why i like movies like *Bo's afraid <laughs> so <laughs> you know i kind of do a little bit of that with uh with the music i make
0: <laughs> so that that being said the next record is that the finality of this trilogy or well, you know, or is this last record the finality of this, this trilogy, or was it the beginning of the trilogy?
2: I would say Magical Powers would be the beginning uh, of the trilogy. Um, you know, I I feel like. I feel like the record I did, I need a friend like you kind of, w- which was my fake four release from a few years mm-hmm. ago, uh, kind of ended up just being its own thing, you know? Um, and one thing that was cool about that record was it was all live instruments. Like mm-hmm. there, there were a couple that I think there were two tracks that had, that had synthetic drums on it, but right. most everything was people that I brought in the studio, which I'd never done before and because this was recorded on music row in Nashville where all the country albums and all the country rock albums and like uh, stuff had been recorded it was uh, the the producer wasn't a hip-hop guy at all so I had yeah. to guide everybody to some extent on kind of what we were doing and and wrote uh, almost you know a, a really good percentage of that music was, was stuff that I wrote and then mm-hmm. you know we We just kind of transcribed as we went. So, so yeah, I would say, sorry, I kind of went off on a little bit. No, it was beautiful.
0: I absolutely love that. I will tell you, though, unfortunately, they are starting to pull the Apollo curtain on us. Um, So we do need to wrap up. At this point in time, I'm going to give you these last two minutes to tell everybody how they can get in contact with you, how they can connect with you, how they can support you as an artist. Um, And, again, thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to having many, 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 many conversations with you moving forward.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So best way to get in touch with me, you can feel free to hit me up on the Instagram. that's at spoken nerd. I'm also on Facebook. You can support me by listening to my album on Spotify or iTunes, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music. And if you want to take it a step further and have a memorial copy of the album, you can go to my bandcamp, which is spoken nerd.bandcamp.com. You can buy pre-order the vinyl, you can buy CDs. Uh, I've got all kinds of stuff that you can check. check Check out on there. That's awesome.
1: Thank you very much for being part of the show. We appreciate you. Myself Preston Am a partner in crime. Long Island Rays, Elm City Made. E Z Blues is in the building. Spoken Nerd, hope we get you again on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven.
3: So powerful when I was younger I was a five that was lit by the thunder Sound of my voice on a bass line and drummer Psychic to God, you can call me boy wonder I'm in the studio making it pop I'm in the marketplace trading these stocks Trinidad Scorpion, cause I'm so hot Don't be some of with the things that I'm not I praise the Lord for the things that I got My thoughts keep brewing like Mosaic cops I'm calling to talk but you phone, them, like cops that don't pardon me, stops, that you pull up a profit Under the knots that cut ties of the toxic I'm the Avenger so you can step off it I'm on the couch watching Wallace and Gromit I look to the sky and about to stairway to heaven All this money was the bread of a peasant shards, dark marked cars, tars, sars, Mars bars, far, far can't scar, far's lost. It's so a fine time for nepotism, wash away your pessimism.